All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Joseph Lalonde, who is the author of Real Leadership. Joseph, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, thanks for having me on the show today. I'm excited to talk with you and, and share a little bit about myself and you know, living the dream. There we go. Well, I'm happy to jump in, man. Let's go ahead and get to it. If you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. All right. So there's a lot of things I like to do for fun. Um, I know you introduced my book as real leadership. Something you didn't do is tell, say how that real is spelled. It's spelled R-E-E-L as in a movie reel. So something I really enjoy, um, going to the movies, learning from movies, you know, seeing entertainment. I, I love that stuff. Um, that, that's like the major thing I do, but there's a couple other things. I told you earlier, I had my dogs with me. So, you know, I run with him a lot. I just finished a half marathon or no, a 25 K, which is 15 and a half miles. That was this past Sunday or Saturday tore me up, but it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun when, when you're actually in the groove, I collect comic book artwork and I do ice climbing. That is a wide array of hobbies. <laughs> I know. I, you know, I like to say I have a man of many hobbies, many, many interests. I got you. So which one have you been doing the longest? The comic book artwork, the ice climbing, <laughs> the jogging, or the movies and entertainment? You know, it's probably a tie between the ice climbing and the running. I got you. Uh, you know, I, I walked it. So the ice climbing happened because I walked into a local um, outdoor sporting goods store. And they had this old janky VHS um, video of them ice climbing. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, I've got to do that. <laughs> And, I see. <laughs> and she was like, yes, you do. Uh, but the running, that, that actually came, you know, probably right around the same time. So I, I can't say which one, but those are probably my two longest running recreation hobby activities. I got you. I got you. Now tell us a little bit more about what you do. Why write the book Real Leadership? What does your day-to-day -day look like? All that good stuff. All right. <clears throat> so I wrote the book Real Leadership because when I got into the whole personal development, self-improvement world, I heard something that like discouraged me, but I bought it hook, line, and sinker. And it was entertainment's bad for you. Yeah. And I don't know if you've heard that, but there were so many people saying the most successful people don't watch movies. What they do instead is go to, they watch conference videos. They listen to inspirational content, like this podcast. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I discovered in my journey that, it was Chip and Dan Heath and their book Made to Stick. They started talking about how stories stick and stats don't. I'm like, you know what? Movies are great stories that are trying to teach us something. So yeah, yeah. that's where that all came from was, you know, when my mind flipped that switch and went, why did I get rid of all this stuff that I really enjoy that bring, brings enjoyment to me and it adds value? Yeah. No, I got you. I um. Very similar, you know, I'm uh, into self-improvement, hence the podcast, of course. But um, yeah, I've kind of dropped, I dropped doing a lot of fun things. And then I started making space in my life again for fun stuff. Because I was like, here's the thing. I know everybody on Instagram and social media is talking about working 16 hours a day. And if you really are, kudos to you. And you probably find it fun. Because very few people can work 16 hours a day consistently for the stint of their life and not have like a break from it and maintain it. 
I'm sure there are some people out there who can, but it's not the majority of us. <laughs> well, and if they don't, they begin to break down. Yeah. And, and I've seen that happen. I've seen marriages dissolve because of these 16 hour days, uh, you know, relationships destroyed. And it's like, it's so sad. It's like, because they're so focused on that one aspect, everything else in their life gets shoved to the back. Yeah. And, you know, while we can't really have a fully balanced life, we can have a more balanced life. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think the more you get into like success, when you're actually trying to hit goals, if you're really working 16 hours a day and you're doing it alone, you know, maybe it's time to, and you've seen some success, maybe it's time to invest in some help, hire some people, learn to outsource, learn those skills that allow you to run a successful business and, um, you know, have a loving family. Now, of course, everybody has their grind time, right? Like when you're, when you're starting up, you're, maybe you have some 16 hour days and just make sure you communicate that with the people you love, but don't make it a habit. Don't exactly. It. Yeah, absolutely, man. So is that why you wrote real leadership to help people who are in the self-improvement space get back to having fun and succeeding or is there more to the book? Yeah. So that, that was pretty much the reason it was, it was as I got back into the movies, back into some, enjoying entertainment again, you know, I started realizing that, you know, the screenwriters and the directors were creating these movies with a reason and a message behind them. Mm. Um, in the book, I actually interviewed, um, you know, multiple people and oh, I can't think of his name, John Williams. He wrote a book and it's called The Moral Promise. And it talks how behind every movie, there is a, a story arc that the the director or the writer wants you to understand. Yeah. And the, my reasoning behind writing real leadership was to help people understand that they can watch a movie and pull these important lessons out. Oh, okay. Okay. So you realize that there's this lesson, there's this reason behind every story and behind every movie. And so real leadership is a big part of the book. Is this the main part of the book? Having people watch movies and then pull these lessons out? Yeah, so in the book, I, I talk with various leaders. Uh, John Ramstead, who is a personal development leadership uh, coach. He was actually a, a Navy um, top gun pilot oh. uh, that had a major devastating injury. He he was hit, he had a couple of injuries. He, he was hit in the eye with a baseball and went blind in an eye. And then he was riding a horse and almost died when the horse, I believe, knocked him into a fence. Um, but wow. talking to guys like that, and like they shared their stories of how they've watched movies and how it impacted them. So I took their story, shared it in the book, as well as like my experience. And then the final chapters, I delve into how you can actually watch movies and pull out these lessons. I see. Okay. You got to tell me a little bit more about that. Cause that I'm a little, a little curious now how you can watch movies and pull out these lessons. Is it a certain technique? Do you just go in with pretext knowing what you're watching for? What does that look like? Um, I think you have to go in with intention. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you go in going, okay, what can I get out of this movie? You'll start seeing new and unique ideas presented to you. In, once you cultivate it, you also start seeing in other aspects of your life, whether it's other forms of entertainment, like you're reading a comic book or fiction novels, you start pulling it out. Um, 
but yeah, it's going in with a eye that's looking for something. Um, you know, just as an example, I'll use, have you ever seen the movie, The Greatest Showman? Yeah. You know, take a look at Hugh Jackman's character, P.T. Barnum. If you watch the arc, it's the story of great success, great bravado. But through all of it, the way he treated people and the way he did business, he lost integrity and then he lost himself. The, the circus burnt down. He lost his family. His family walked away from him. And all because of how he's treating people. But then <clears throat> that art comes full circle when he realizes that he's screwed up and starts to change his life. You know, he regains his family. The circus performers come back and help him um, rebuild the circus. And it's this whole as long as you're watching for things, you'll notice them. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. If, if I, I, definitely, I definitely didn't take that from the greatest showman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's really like the moral premise behind the movie is, you know, he has this, you know, going up arc, he crashes and burns because of how he treated people. And then once he realizes it, he comes on out of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, what's funny when I was watching The Greatest Showman, I noticed his entrepreneurial tendencies, like how he would market the circus and stuff, just because yeah. that's the mind frame I was in. But it goes to show when you go into a movie with a certain intention and specifically to learn those moral lessons, it does work. You know, you will find what you're looking for. Yeah. And I mean, I think every movie carries multiple lessons as well. Oh, absolutely. Because you took away the entrepreneurial side. I saw so every Monday, too, on my blog, I write leadership lessons from a specific movie and I go through and I'll typically have 10 to 15 lessons. So there are multiple things that you can take away as long as you're watching for them. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, tell us a bit more about, well, I guess we got your motivation. So let's just go ahead and jump into dreams and goals, man. What's your vision for the book and your life? <clears throat> you know, there, there's a couple of things I want to do. I want to inspire others to not only be a great leader, but to raise up new leaders mm -hmm. because we only have a uh, limited amount of time on this, in this, on this world before we pass away. So if we can pass on our knowledge and our ideas and our concepts to the next generation and the generation beyond that, that's something I want to do. And then along with the book, I want to help that. I want to help people understand that entertainment isn't the villain it's made out to be that there's actually redeeming and positive content and things that we enjoy and, you know, partake in. I gotcha. So help people understand that entertainment isn't the villain and inspire others to be a great leader and create new leaders. Yes, sir. How many leaders do you want to make? How many people do you want to inspire to be a great leader? A <laughs> hundred thousand. A hundred thousand. There we go. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And then how big go home, right? Oh, absolutely. Inspire a hundred thousand people to be great leaders and create new leaders. So how much how many new leaders does each of the hundred thousand that you make need to go on to make? Man. Yeah. That that that's the crazy part when you start thinking about, you know, if I inspire a hundred thousand leaders and they start inspiring others. Yeah. I would love for every, you know, even going small, saying 
every leader inspires 10 people in their circle. I mean, that's a million people. That's impacted yeah. right there. <clears throat> um, but you know, let's go big. Let's go a thousand people because leaders, leaders interact with a bunch of different people, whether it's other organizations, the team members that they're interacting with, their family members. So let's go a thousand people. That's a hundred thousand or no. hundred million. Yes. <laughs> My math is bad today. <laughs> there we go. So impact, inspire 100,000 people to be great leaders and have each of them create 1,000 people in their circle that are great leaders to impact a total of 100 million people. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And then for like helping people understand that entertainment isn't the villain that it's made out to be. Do you want to do that just through this book and get this book really big to reach a big number of people? Or do you have other uh, visions and dreams and goals for that? So there, there's other visions for that as well. You know, I want the book to, book to succeed. Um, but there's other ways that I'm doing that. You know, I'm, I'm doing coaching where I'm helping share with other leaders how they can use these movies to inspire their people yeah. because you know, a lot of people watch movies, but they just go for the entertainment. And if the leaders of these organizations could, could latch on to the fact that these movies are being watched by the people that they're leading and that they could use these movies to inspire those workers to do more, I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, for yeah, sure. I mean, how many leaders do you meet that go, like, I just can't inspire or motivate my people? It's because we're not speaking their language. Yeah. We're, we're, we're you know, using these, you know, let's say highfalutin words that, you know, KPIs and, um, <clears throat> you know, metrics. And the, the average worker, I think, doesn't understand those words. But if you can say... Hey, remember in Guardians of the Galaxy when um, the Guardians ships all came, they, they were in a armada of ships and then they aligned perfectly and they erected this shield that protected them. They can understand that. Yeah. Because they've seen it. And it helps them get their message across. Yeah. No, I feel that. That makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like employees would feel like children if they were talked to like that? I feel like I, I can think... see some people being. It, it, I think it depends on how how you're talking to your employees. Yeah. If you're trying to be like, yeah, I have I have to relate to you using this movie because I think you're dumb. <laughs> I, mean, I, I know leaders that would say that, but rather go, hey guys, this is the movie I just watched. And here's something I saw in it. And I think I think we can apply this lesson here to our organization because we're not aligned properly. We're struggling to, to find our alignment to, to move forward with power. But like, here's what happens when we do. When we get in alignment, there's power and, and we're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just help, you know, it's it's speaking the right language using the right tools or or examples i gotcha i gotcha well there we go any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about before we move on i, th I think that's good 
Well, cool, man. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make these three dreams and goals come true? <sighs> um, you know, honestly, I think I need, I need to develop some marketing skills because okay. marketing skills are not the best. Um, gotcha. And another, another skill, um, you know, a skill that I've been working on is actually my public speaking mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people are scared of public speaking. Me, I was absolutely terrified of it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the more I've worked on it, the better I've gotten, the more comfortable I'm in front of a crowd speaking and sharing these lessons and ideas. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. So marketing skills and public speaking skills. Yes. So when we're talking marketing, um, do you have a marketing budget? Are you talking about organic social media marketing? Which side are you talking? Branding? <clears throat> a little bit of both. You know, I, I haven't done any paid marketing really for the website, for, for the blog, for the book. Um, and the ones that I have done, I've struggled to make it actually work mm-hmm. because I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've run some Amazon ads and I'm like, am I doing this right? Yeah. <clears throat> and I think a lot of us do that. We don't know exactly what we're doing. So we just go out there and we start plugging away at it. We hope something sticks or we go out there and find that, that expert that will teach us how to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with, with the marketing side of things, for the marketing of the book through like Google ads, ads, um, Amazon ads, I actually sought out an expert, Brian Cohen, who does, who's one of Amazon's top ad, oh, like Amazon ad teachers. Yeah. I got you. Brian Cohen. I feel like I know his name for some reason. But I can't put a face to it. <laughs> he was on Jeopardy. Oh. Ah. You're a Jeopardy fan, but he was he was a Jeopardy contestant. I gotcha. I gotcha. Brian I don't Cohen. know if that might be where the name came from, but now I feel like I know yeah, he, he's more. killing it in the Amazon ad sphere. Yeah, it says he has a podcast, hosting the Progressive Podcast. No lie. Hmm. I'm not sure. Regardless, <laughs> um, yeah, man. So marketing skills, Amazon ads is what you're running right now. And that's just to sell more of the book, right? Yes. Okay. Yep, trying to get that marketed, you know, finding out how to do that well. Have you? You, know, I mean, you want to do like Facebook ads, um, uh-huh. things like that to, to help market and get, not only get my book out there, but get myself out there. I mean, yeah. I, I, I've been fairly successful, but I want to take it to that next level. Have you heard of Alex Hormozzi? I have not. Ooh, this is good. You've got to go check this man out. Alex Hormozzi. He has one book. It's called $100 Million Offers. And he's about to write another book called $100 Million Leads. And he's like, he's a boss. But he came up with this concept called Customer Financed Acquisition. And really... It's just how business works, but I think a lot of people uh, neglect this fact in their business when they're thinking about their pricing strategy. For example, how much do you sell your 
book for on Amazon? $18. $18, yeah. And then what, Amazon takes like 20% of it or something? Something like that. Yeah, so you're probably netting like, I don't know, $14, $13 or something like that from each book sale. Right, nothing big. Yeah, nothing big, nothing big. And then if you were to throw that $13 back into marketing, would you guaranteed get another sale? Probably. I feel that. I feel that. Would you... Um, that's really what the concept is, the customer finance acquisition. He's like, price your product such that you are making enough money from one customer to pay for your next customer and have profit. And so he's like, get really solid on your cost to acquire the customer and get really solid on your cost to fulfill the customer, which for you with the book, it would be zero dollars because you've written the book and Amazon's doing all that stuff. Um, but once you add the cost to acquire the customer and the cost to fill the customer, so let's say you can get somebody to buy your book for seven bucks, you know, and you know, then it costs you two bucks to fulfill them. So you're nine bucks total. He would say, multiply that number by three. And that's how much you need to be charging for the book. Right. Cause at that point you could acquire a customer for nine bucks and you're charging 27 bucks. So you have $18 left over. That's $9 for your next customer and $9 in profit. And so he's like, run your model like that. And he's specifically talking to people in the internet marketing space. Uh, my bad. He's not specifically talking to those people. He's specifically talking to all business owners. But um, he kind of came out of the internet marketing space a little bit. I don't want to do his story wrong. He's a beast of an entrepreneur across the board. Regardless, um, run that customer finance acquisition model in your head for anything you're selling both you and the audience and myself. In fact, I have an offer that I'm about to put out for a virtual summit and I don't have a clear customer acquisition cost yet, which is why it's a little murky, but I don't know if it's priced high enough. I don't know if it's priced well enough for me to actually acquire customers at profit, if that makes sense, which is just bad business finance, you know? And so- I guess businesses to run that way though. We don't know how much- we're paying to acquire customers <laughs> exactly no like so many are just like you, you don't know and if you don't know you can't make that equation and if you can't make that equation well you're just kind of whatever happens <laughs> oh my god yeah i think i'm making money but maybe not <laughs> exactly which is why the numbers is really important which is why to start you're gonna have to throw some money into the marketing void to figure out how much it costs you to acquire a customer and then once you get back that, maybe it costs you $200 to get somebody to buy your book. It's like, okay, how do I package enough value to charge somebody uh, $200 to acquire and then $5 to fulfill? How much? How do I package enough value to charge them $615 so I can acquire them? And the only thing stopping me is having enough employees to fulfill them, basically. That's the only linchpin right there. Um, but yeah. Alex Hormozzi talks a lot about that concept. He talks about it in his book, but he also has some YouTube videos that are really big, um, like an hour and a half of just him talking marketing. And just for reference, he scaled a business from probably zero to a million a month, like within a year or two, I think, oh, wow. using this model because he learned it. And when he learned it, he got really good at marketing using ads and positioning an offer and picking a target market. All those are very necessary skills. I'm not saying it was just a walk in the park for him. But he did it and he can repeat it. And now he buys into companies and does the same thing for them and just takes equity in their company, minority ownership. And now he's worth, uh, I think his portfolio does 
160 million a year, maybe 200 million a year in revenue. And he's just all with this concept of like customer financed acquisition and then measuring customer success. Those two things. He's really good at them. And so anyway, check him out. I was coming here to give you guys some value, but you just gave me value. (laughs) I'm like, after, after, after this call, I'm going to go take a look at this guy and, and figure out what he's doing and how I can use it. Yeah, man. Yeah. His recent stuff is really good, but he got a, he got a YouTube, uh, like manager guy and they started making shorter videos that are more, they're not clickbaity, but they're gaming the algorithm, right? If you go back probably a year ago, year and a half ago, his longer videos, like there's specifically one that's like how I went from $0 to, uh, 44 million or a hundred million in 44 months. It's, it's something like that. And it's like an hour and 26 minutes. Watch that video. It is so, so, so good. It's so good. But anyway, alas. <laughs> um, yes, where were we? So that's marketing. That's marketing skills. Public speaking skills. It looks like you're killing it. It looks like you are doing the public speaking right. I'm improving it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I don't have any tips for public speaking other than maybe start a podcast if you really want to. That's not really. It's like I, sometimes it people will recommend it, but. But, you know, I, I, I ran a podcast about five years ago, and I will tell you, it did not help me get my public speaking yeah. better. I, it, it actually discouraged me because I would listen to my episodes while I was editing them and go, man, I I was not a good speaker. <laughs> All these ums and ahs and you knows. Yep. So, yeah, I actually joined a speaking organization that's helped me improve, I think. I think it's done a good job. So there we go. Oh, there we go. Happy. I'm happy for you, man. What, what, uh, organization was that? Uh, Toastmasters. Yep. Toastmasters will do it for you. And is that a weekly thing or a monthly thing or the the club in my area is a weekly thing. Different clubs meet different times. Some, some are weekly, some are bi-weekly, some are once a month. It, It all depends on, on the members and what their availability, um, can be yeah i gotcha and so what are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals for you you know i i would say you know finding finding a um these videos or content to watch and consume and under start understanding marketing on a better level you know one of the things i did you know, for the speaking side, we just mentioned was Toastmasters. I started going to Toastmasters, practicing my speeches more regularly rather than, hey, I'm just going to go out and give a speech and flub it. I started going, okay, I have to practice that speech on a regular basis. I have to give it multiple times. I have to, um, you know, refine it. So it was you know, speaking to myself, the speech multiple times throughout the week. Yeah. Um, and, and doing things like that, where it's, it's at practice, you know, practicing that skill that I want to do. Um, you know, marketing, you know, it's, you know, I, it's seeking out these men, like I said, mentors that will help me step through the actions I don't know. And, you know, you've watched these videos of Alex's, and, you know, by doing that daily, you've, you've increased your marketing skills. 
So that's something I need to do. <laughs> that's something that will help me is, is watching some videos, taking the steps that are mentioned in the videos and actually applying those. Yeah, no, I feel that. I'll say the number one thing Alex said to do was um, get, get your offer right, get your market right and get your offer right. And then just spend X amount of all of your extra income that you have per month marketing, just throw it into ads and like either marketing or pay somebody to teach you how to market. But he, he was specifically, so he came up in 2013, 2014, and that's when Facebook ads wasn't quite as competitive. However, Facebook ads still work. Facebook is still a good company. Um, and so the ads, the leads might be a little bit higher in costs, but then you just price your offer higher and provide value equivalent to that, right? And so I guess my question for you is, what is your current coaching offer right now? Is it consistent? Is it more a one-on-one -on -one thing and it varies based on your client? Yeah, so I've actually got three offers. Let me pull it up real quick. Okay. I, I like to do, you know, I, I like to have the specific offer because sometimes it's hard to recover, re recall. Yeah. So I, I do three things really well. Um, I've been in youth ministry as well. So I do youth leadership coaching and helping youth pastors, youth leaders grow their ministry. That's really cool. That's one of the offers. The other is building your platform, whether it's a blog podcast, you know, I said, I'm not that great at marketing myself, but I've built a decent platform. You know, I've got tens of thousands of email subscribers. I've got, you know, <clears throat> almost a 50 to 75,000 visitors to my blog a month. And that's solid. Pe people would love to have that. So I can help other people do that. And that's one of the offers. And then the other one is developing yourself and your leadership skills through the movies that we all watch. Yeah. I feel that. And which one is the highest ticket? I actually charge the same for each one of those. <laughs> there we go. Are they like continual monthly subscription things or a one-time five-week, 10-week? <clears throat> so there's, there's three packages that I offer. The first is like a one-time boost where hey, I just need some inspiration. I need some help. And I give them a one hour coaching session. And, you know, that's a $150 offer. Okay. There's a four week accelerator where you get four one hour calls or online meetings with me and unlimited email access. You define your problem. I help you work through it. And we get it taken care of in a month. And then there's like the ultimate transform your leadership year long coaching package. And, you know, I don't dive deep into your problem. I put together a specific specified program coaching package for you and design it specifically around your needs and your desires to transform your leadership. I gotcha. I gotcha. And so the year long one is obviously the highest ticket one. Yes. Are you comfortable sharing the price or are you like, I'd rather not disclose? You know, that run, that's about a $5,000 package. Okay. There we go. There we go. So $5,000 for a year, which is what? 600 a month? Yeah. 400 a month, right? 400 yes. 4,800. Yes. So. <clears throat> 600 would be 72, I think. All right. 400 a month. 
I got you. I got you. And who is like high ticket? You're transform transforming their leadership. Um, year long, four hundred a month. Who is uh who is the target audience? Is it any of those three that you talked about earlier? Either your blog, a youth leader, or growing your platform, youth leader, or growing leadership through movies? Yeah. So so all three of those, I I can craft that package around any one of those um people. Okay, which one of those people has the most money and the most pain? Probably <clears throat> the the person that's already in business leadership you know ch- church leaders you know so depending on if you're in a mega church or not yeah you know a lot of churches don't have that budget for leadership development you know yeah. I, I love churches but i know that churches are like you know, like we need we need to do good with this money and they forget that they can do good by building up their people yeah um, <clears throat> people building their platform if they're just starting out, you know, it, it's not right there for them yet. Um, you know, it's more that business leader that's looking to take their, their leadership to that next level and transform it. I got you. I got you. So if we had to pick one who could be our best client for our highest ticket offer, it would be the dude who's in business leadership, probably has a semi-established company, and they're looking to invest in the people they have and develop talent to grow their business. Yes, that, that's pretty much exactly it. I gotcha. And so what are their biggest pain points? Is it a, um, you know, they're not aligned with their staff, they can't hold their staff accountable, lack of engagement at work? What are some of their pain points? Yeah, so you, you mentioned a few of them. You know, it's engagement, it's, it's that alignment, it's, <clears throat> it's chasing that shiny object too. I don't know <laughs> if you, you've encountered that leader that's like, Ah, that's new and shiny. I want to chase after that leadership idea. Yeah. So it's helping them control their impulses and not chase that shiny object. It's um, <coughs> learning how to treat their employees with respect. You know, I've been in a situation where I I watched the the owner of a company just blast an employee it broke my heart because he, he blasted him from the owner's room back to the production floor mm-hmm. and come to find out he was wrong. Yeah. The person that had, that had um, been called out had actually shipped the product. It had been received by the company and that company had misplaced it, but the owner didn't want to believe the employee. Mm. So it's learning how to like, you know, I want to help leaders learn how to control their emotions too, how to treat their employees with respect and the dignity that they deserve and how all of that too brings about the alignment that will propel the company forward. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So we got some of their pain points down. We got where you want to take them. So it's like, take the lack of engagement leader the leader that has employees who lack engagement the leader who has the shiny object syndrome and you're taking them to a leader that treats their employees with respect helps them be engaged 
And then, um, yeah, just knows how to treat their employees well, well and run a ship towards a vision. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, Joseph, my next question is, if you were to 10x your price, take it from 5000 a year to 50000 a year, which business would you go after to sell that product to? And what would you add to your offer to make it worth $50,000? <laughs> You're making me think here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm prepared for this one. What company would I go after? I mean, you can start with like revenue if you don't know a type of company. Like how much revenue would that company have to have? What type of, how many employees would they have? Just some of those demographics. Yeah, you could ballpark. You didn't come prepared with these answers, so. <laughs> you know, I'd say probably a $75 million a year company. Um, I like to work with small companies and I like to see small companies that are able to actually produce. Uh -huh. I would say probably 100 to 150 employees. Okay. Um, you know, not necessarily all, you know, like front office, you know, on the front line, you know, some of them, you know, it may be a manufacturing company. It may be, you know, what would be a really cool company to do would be some kind of movie industry company and, and show them how their movies can help them actually improve their profits and their bottom line. Okay. There we go. I like that. I like that. So $75 million in revenue, 100 to 150 employees. And right now the niche is kind of like movie production companies. That, that's what you're making me think of, you know, because. I'm not making you think of anything. That's coming from your own brain. <laughs> the, the questions that you're asking are pulling this out and like making me think about like, that'd be kind of a cool idea. Yeah, it is. Well, that's cool, man. That's really cool. And what would you have to add to the package to make them pay to make them feel okay, let me rephrase this. How could you structure the offer so well that they would feel stupid saying no to it and it's $50,000? What value would you have to add? What guarantees would you have to bring? And what would the like the hooks be? How would you engage them? Like, What would that offer have to look like? <laughs> you got me stumped there now. That's something I'm going to have to think on. Hey, there we go. <laughs> you, now, now you've given me two things. You brought value to me twice today on this call. <laughs> now I feel bad. I, I feel like I'm not bringing as much to you, your <laughs> audience. You're bringing it to me. <laughs> no, man. No, you're, you're all good. I, that, I mean, that's what the show is here for, man. I want to bring people on to make them think, help them towards their dreams and goals. And if this has helped you in any way, then I am happy, you know. Well, cool, man. Uh, you can think on that. Get back to me within the week of what your offer is going to look like. Yeah. Let me do that. Bet. All right. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? You know, I'm, I'm pretty good on like consistency when, when I think about the stuff that I do every day, but I, I think I don't focus and I think I need focus so I can focus on the things that really matter mm. that like actually drive, drive the business forward. Yeah. Um, you know, create, creating, you know, focusing enough to like create that offer that entices people to spend $50,000. Yeah. Um, you know, focus to, 
get to work on, you know, detailing out that specific customer that I want that business, you know, not now I've kind of, you know, percolating in my mind, you know, like, how can I focus, you know, what do I need to do to like reach out to these movie industry, movie industry um, organizations that might need my service. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that focus to, to just drill down and, and get these tasks done that I'm not good at or finding, you know, focusing on finding talent that can help me do that. Yeah. 100% focus. And if there were one or two people you could meet right now, this could be a specific person or a type of person. And they'd really help you take that next step toward your dreams and goals. Who would they be and how would they help you? So I was thinking about this because you asked some of these questions in an email and I'm going, man, what do I want to do? Like, how do I answer this? And I'm going with not like a specific person, but a type of person. Um, And I think it's someone that's like could hold me accountable to create that focus in my life. Um, So that would help me become laser focused and figure out exactly what I need rather than kind of just throwing things at the wall and seeing if they stick. That makes sense. I gotcha. So somebody who could hold you accountable to creating that focus in your life. Just curious, if you were coaching yourself and you had <laughs> to create that focus in your life, what questions would you ask yourself and what would you tell yourself to do? I'd ask myself, what, what three items do I need to focus on next that would create the, the stepping stones to grow the business? And then what would, what would my answer to that be? (laughs) (laughs) Getting a marketing expert on my team. Mm -hmm. Um, Focus on building connections in the businesses that I want to reach out to. Oh, and yeah, probably just to do it because, (laughs) you know, like there's that, that limiting nagging belief in my mind that, you know, while I've seen success that like, I'm not good enough to do this, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like who would ever pay me $50,000 to work with me? <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Well, man, um, that's a great segue into our final series of questions, which is all about limiting beliefs. <laughs> so you already answered the first question, that limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life. I'm not good enough to do this. And specifically, who's going to pay me 50K to work with me? Uh, where does that come from? You know, I've tried to think about it. Like, where does it come from? You know, there's been times in my life where I've been told that I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was, you know, on the playground in Little little League softball or baseball. It was, was a funny experience for me because 
I just got benched for my whole little league career because I wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> and like the coach wouldn't work with me. And so I'm like, I'm not like, what am I good at? And it goes, you're not good at this. And so I hit that stumbling block of coming back to, to these times in my life where I wasn't good enough at something and I stumbled and I fell and I, I didn't improve. But then again, I know it's a lie (laughs) because I've seen the good stuff that I've done. You know, I'm like, I've said, I'm reaching a large audience with my blog every month. Uh, You know, I've, I've got these connections, but I've got to keep reinforcing that I am good enough and I deserve what I actually earn. Hmm. Yeah. I feel that. And how do you, how do you reinforce that? What are the ways <laughs> of life? It, it, you know, that, that was one of the questions he asked you. And I'm like, I'm answering it in my head. And I was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I, that answer isn't correct. Um, because one of the things that I do to like reinforce that I'm actually better than I think I am is that I keep uh, a thank you journal or a thank you email folder of people that have said, thank you for what you're doing. This is how it's impacting me. This is how it's growing me. So I go back to the, those emails and those letters and those recordings that, that tell me, hey, I'm making a difference. I'm not worthless that I am, that I'm doing something important. Yeah. There we go. So keep that thank you email folder and go back to them. Yeah. I love it, man. Back to, uh, back to the limiting beliefs for a little bit. Do you have any limiting actions that reinforce your limiting beliefs? Can you, can you explain what a limiting action is? Is that something that like I do that prevents me from taking that next step or, um, you know, it's like, so how I, how I kind of like to see life in general is that you have your beliefs and your beliefs fuel your thoughts and your thoughts fuel your feelings and your feelings fuel your actions and your actions fuel your results. And these results reinforce these beliefs. And so a limiting action is an action that comes from a limiting belief. So a limiting belief produces a thought, which produces a feeling, which causes you to act. Yeah, so I would, well, I don't know if it would be an action, but a limiting inaction. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you know, I, one, one of the things I don't do, so I don't take that step to reach out to some, to organizations that I think would fa- find value in what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I do the easy thing. I just go, okay, I'm going to put it out there on my website. I'm going to mention it in my email newsletter, but I'm not going to go to company ABC and say, Hey, here's what I offer. Yeah. Because it scares me. And that thought of rejection that's happened before fills my mind that it makes me inactive or take an action of not reaching out. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, there we go. If you were to change the limiting belief, I'm not good enough. Who's going to pay 50, pay me 50 K to work with me. If you were to change that into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart in the way that you needed to hear it, 
what would that phrase be? I think it would be, you were created for bigger things. Mm. I like that. You were created for bigger things. I mean, when you, when you think about it, you know, I think, I think we were all created for something bigger than we're actually going for right now. I agree. And if, if I think that I was created for something bigger and go, yeah, I'm created for something bigger than that $150 one-time coaching session. Yeah. I'm bigger. I was created for something more or bigger than that once a month coaching or even that once, you know, that, that year coaching session. Um, so yeah, I was created for something bigger. Yeah. I love it, man. We got one last question for you. You ready? All right. What is your favorite belief about yourself? What's my favorite belief about myself? Ooh. Um, that I can do hard things. Mm. Uh, you know, I've mentioned that I'm a runner. I, I've done a half marathon. I've done a 15 and a half mile race. I've done a full marathon. You know, I've been married for almost 20 years. And yeah. Well, the marriage is good. Marriage is hard. And I can do hard things and make it through to the other side. Yeah. Absolutely, so, man. So I can do the hard thing of creating this, this offer that you've talked about. And I can do hard things like create a $50,000 offer. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited to see your $50,000 offer. <laughs> I'm excited as well. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm scared to death to think and try, try and create it, but I can do it because I can do hard things. Yeah. There we go. Well, awesome. Joseph, that's all we got for you, man. It's been good, man. Thank you for, like, like I said, you know, I, I was coming here to bring you guys some, some value, but you, you gave me some value and you gave me some things to think about. And <laughs> I hope that also on top of what I've offered, I hope that offers your audience something too, because they can see that, Hey, the people that you bring on your show, they're still growing themselves. As we all are, as we all are. I'm, yeah. what am I? 550 podcast episodes in and still growing. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's epic. It's an epic, uh, epic journey. And I like inviting people into the authenticity of how messy it can look sometimes. Yeah. So, there we go. Well, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Joseph had to say, you know, any production movie production companies that happen to be doing that 75 million in revenue, send them to Joseph in the next week because he'll have his $50,000 offer ready for him. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. All the ways to contact Joseph will be down in the show notes. And on that note, we're out.